Hello ladies, I'm Andrea Kruska. The Powered by Her community is so much more than a podcast. We have monthly lunches full of encouragement and inspiration, and quarterly events focused on celebrating women in our community and sharpening our entrepreneurial skills. In early 2022, we are launching our very first annual women's business conference, where we will be bringing in some awesome guest speakers and offering some breakout sessions that help us improve our businesses. We want you to partner up with us and join the community. And the best way to do that is head over to join.poweredbyhercommunity.com and become a supporter of the community. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month, but if you jump in at a higher level, you'll get some extra opportunities and experiences. Take a minute right now and head over there to join.poweredbyhercommunity.com. Now Tiffany's gonna interview another smart, strong, entrepreneurial woman in our community. Thanks for being a part of what we're doing to bring inspiration and community to professional women. Welcome back to Powered by Her. Hi, I'm Tiffany Anton from the Biz Foundry and I have Mary-Kate Gillespie from Little Hands and Little Feet is just kind of your main thing amongst yes. others. Um, but that's kind of your main business at this point. So tell me what Little Hands and Little Feet is. Little Hands, Little Feet is a pediatric clinic. We offer occupational therapy, physical therapy, and speech therapy services. And our main population is really from like three to 17, but we offer services from zero to 21 years old. And one of the things that you've uh, accomplished in the last bit is that you're working with the school systems, right? Yes. So when I bought into the business, they already were currently holding Putnam County School Systems contract, and we've continued to do that. And it's been really great because you really get to reach a different population all the time and be able to provide quality services. So tell me about kind of your past. Um, you went, you did not think you were going to be a business owner. No. <laughs> that was Honestly, not, no. not your plan <laughs> kind of going into life. Um, but so from... 10-year-old Mary-Kate, what was the thought that you were going to do at 10 years old? So if you went back to like 10 years old, I probably would have told you I was like, I was obsessed with CSI. I'm totally going to be that kind of a person. Like fingerprinting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. Which is super analytical and definitely not me as I've grown <laughs> up in life. Yeah. And then really I started being able to spend more time within the CDC classrooms. In so for those who don't know, what does CDC classrooms mean? Long story short, it's really those classrooms that provide the necessary supports for individuals who have disabilities that require more and more supports. So, so like, so in, in layman's terms, people would think of it as a special education classroom. Exactly. Exactly. Not everybody's in the education I world. That's so. like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but really, for me, it was great because I had already completed specific classes that were necessary when I was going into high school. And I was like, this seems like a really fun thing to be able to do. So we had four blocks and I got to do it every year, starting my sophomore year all the way up till my senior year. Which is such a, that it takes a heart to really want to go um, and, and work in those kind of classrooms. It's, it's a special kind of person that has the patience, especially at 15, 16 years old. Um, to kind of see that that you had that desire in you to to serve that community, and I feel like people are like, "Oh, you have such a special heart." I'm like, uh, they're the ones. Genuinely, I do feel this way. I love that population. Yeah, those are the people that pour into my soul. I tell people on the reg, like, 
I'm lucky to get to work with them. Yeah. They choose me. I don't always choose them. And it's been great. And honestly, it kind of felt that way from... One of the things age. that when I, um, I... I touch on this a bit is that I used to work as a high school teacher. And I... Um, my classes... I always had a parapro in my class um, or a teacher's aide. Um, and I, I a lot of times team taught um, because... I just felt like if I could break through communication with some of the students that had a more difficult time communicating or whatever their disability was, um, I felt like I could touch them in a way that other teachers couldn't, you know, really get to them because I did have that passion and desire. And so it is so f fulfilling myself. It's like, I, I, I feel lucky that I get to hang out with this kid after school and do some, you know, typing with them or, you know, communicate in a way that other teachers never get to see of the, these students. But like, you're a dream teacher for us. As an OT, I'm like, that is the dream teacher. And I'm, I'm not in teaching. I'm not I know she's not, listen, she's not in teaching. However, that's like the dream teacher scenario. Yeah. When I have teachers who want to take the extra step before even really truly being like, hey, I need the referral, I need the support. That's the, that's the moment. That is where you can take those and combine them and really let them get that type of support that they actually yeah. need. Those are the teachers that really make the difference in that world. Well, one thing I think about the education system is there's so many kids that go undiagnosed in their disabilities. It's, she, those who are just listening right now, her face is just tight um, because that's got to be painful for to know that these kids need services and they're not their needs are not getting met. So the good thing I will say about this is that there is a IEP program and a 504. So if there is a teacher or someone, a parent, any member of their entire team is what we'll call them, that they are able to say, hey, I've noticed we've got a fine motor deficit, a visual motor deficit. I'm a little concerned. They can refer them for services and supports without getting a formal diagnosis. So that's kind of the difference between where the true IEP versus 504 sits. So yeah. there are things that are in place now to really help with that. And to be honest, Putnam County does a great job with it. That's awesome. And that's not just like a hype moment. They all know I'm not that kind of a person, but really, it's it's incredible for the Upper Cumberland to have a true community and the SPED services that really stand behind related services and trying to get to the bottom of things in those diagnoses. Like it's impressive. So you decide you knew in college you wanted to go into two hundred percent yes to, to be a PT. Is that correct? OT. OT. Sorry occupational therapist it's fine and so um you knew what you wanted to do and so you started in therapies at that time um and so what made you decide to pivot and be a business owner that's a really good question yes <laughs> uh, honestly so I knew I wanted to be an OT at like 16 which sounds ridiculous I, I tell the time I'm like that's ridiculous but okay um and then I went into undergrad at tech one of my best friends, Elizabeth, was like, hey, I just shadowed this person. You're going to love her. Call her. It was Jennifer Yates. So Jennifer Yates ended up being my mentor. And I was, what, like, I guess 20, maybe, probably 19, 20, when I met her. And I was like, I want to be like Jennifer when I grow up. I want to, that was the moment where I was like, I want to be able to work in an outpatient peds clinic, all of this stuff. Long story short, jumping ahead post-graduate school, uh, I was business partners with Jennifer. It was kind of one of those things where it's like it just all aligned. She and her husband ended up moving to Dallas for an opportunity for her husband. 
and she was like, do you have any interest? And I was, at first I was like, um, what? At what point like a did year you, and a half, like, I mean, I say this a lot. So you clearly are passionate about occupational therapy. therapy. I love being an OT. But being a business owner does not mean that you can, just because you're passionate about something doesn't mean you can run a business. So what point during like grad school were you like, maybe the business aspect is okay for me? At no point, if we're being completely <laughs> frank. If you talk to any parent that's ever met with me, any student, anyone like that, I'm like, uh, what? No. I love to be an OT. I want to work with the kids all day, every day. The business part of it was definitely something that I had to learn. I'll be honest, I was just lucky enough to have a mom who would believe in my crazy idea and help me out. And she's got, she's kind of the books aspect of things, correct? Yeah, so I get to cheat the system a little bit in my opinion. Nah, nah, don't let, this is not what the IRS, we're not saying the IRS. Oh no, I'm saying, I'm saying I'm cheating the system as a business owner. It's not that. Like, I think that I get to cheat the system a little bit because I have a parent who all day, every day, she looks at numbers and regulations and HR and really those operational type aspects yeah. that I had absolutely zero idea about, but she just was like, is this your dream? I was like, little hands, little feet is my dream. In the long run, I wanted to be a therapist who could provide the quality treatment and not worry about all the numbers and reimbursements and all those things. And the only way to, not the only way, but in my opinion, the only way to really be able to do that was to own a clinic at the point when it was presented to me. Yeah. And Liz just jumped on board. She's crazy, well, obviously. And but. you're you're um you realize that you can kind of build a team that can make a greater impact. You are one person. Mm -hmm. And so you could be the best occupational therapist, pediatric occupational therapist on the planet. Yep. But you're one person. And so yep. you cannot see everybody that that needs your services. 250%. So I feel like we've done a really good job. Since I bought it, we've expanded a lot. Um, we've now started offering different services that we hadn't before. We hired a speech therapist. That's an entire different discipline that I had to get up and running and going. And then we've also expanded from the standpoint of there's now two evaluating OTs, two to three like CODAs who are like our treating therapists. We have one PT and we just added our second and we have two PTAs under them. So we've tripled down on our. What, what's our what's the motivation for that growth? I mean, cause that, that's been since you, you. The Upper Cumberland needs it. It was one of those things where I feel, I very, very strongly believe in multidisciplinary approaches for things. So I think that if, as an OT, if I'm not caring over the things that a physical therapist and the speech therapist are working on, how am I actually benefiting the child? How am I actually working to make the difference that's needed to see those gains? So for me, bringing on speech, that was that big motivation. It's funny. I mean, just you saying that right now, it's kind of like people who are working out in the gym and they're going to be there for four hours, but they never put enough protein in their body to... to gain the muscles that they want to do. So you can do all the work of one area, but you need kind of the whole complete picture. 200%. And that's yeah. why I really do. I believe in like the whole team aspect. And then to me, it's really important to be able to do that. We've even, I've reached out to teachers who have done tutoring services for us. When I see a child who has an individual has a learning disability. So I've said, Hey, let's go talk to your pediatrician, 
ask them some questions. If they feel it's appropriate, then they get referred on for true developmental testing. And then if it comes back is that the parents are like, okay, I have all this information, what do I do? And I'm like, okay, we'll make a game plan. All of us as a whole, we're gonna make a game plan. So, and I think that it takes every, I really do think it takes everybody. It takes a village. It takes a village, yep. yeah. Um, so not only are, have you, you young, you started Little Hands, you, you bought, I didn't, I you bought Little Hands and Feet, um, and Little Feet, Little Hands, Little Feet. Um, but now you've decided that you're gonna take your entrepreneurship wings and spread them. And so um, you've gotten roped in, suckered in a little bit into starting a coffee shop with um, CG, who CG is a huge supporter of Powered by Her. Episode one, she, I always like to celebrate her. Um, but tell me about the exceptional bean. So the exceptional bean was CG's dream child, is like I like to say. I'm like, this is like a little dream child. And she sent me an email and was like, this is an insane idea. What are your thoughts? And I walked upstairs, I was like, what? A business owner who, from the outside, my aspect had no true link to the special needs community wants to open a coffee shop that is all about inclusion i was like is so this tell real us, life so tell us for those who don't haven't heard of the exceptional bean yet it's going to be a coffee shop that it's a hopefully we're working in the process of getting our 501c3 but it's going to be a non-profit coffee shop that really our whole entire goal is inclusion we want to be able to give individuals with disabilities of varying types, the ability to seek employment if they want. And more than anything, to me, it's about community for them. I really do feel like it's a place where if you have a disability, you're gonna be able to walk in the door and see someone who is like you or has difficulties with things or sees those strengths in those aspects mm -hmm. of things. But it's really about inclusion. Well, and excited. I think it's so much of um, what, what I strive for in the Power by Her community is making sure that young girls see women in leadership positions and, and owning businesses. And I think just the same way the special needs community needs to see people doing mm -hmm. the things that they want to do. And so they see, okay, this person has a job and this person's, you know, working at this coffee shop and, and what a good atmosphere this is. And so I think that that's such a great opportunity for this community to, to showcase what what abilities people have instead of their disabilities. And that's what I, I preach on all the time. I hate to say it, but I do. I'm like abilities over disabilities all day, every day. There are so many of my patients who have such strengths in specific areas that are definitely not my strengths. They're the type that are like by the book. They, you know, like that. And I'm like, okay, well, how can I adapt it? How can I move it? How can I change it? Yeah. So we want to be able to have a place where they can see true like fulfillment and meaningful employment. I really do believe in that though and I think it gives them purpose and drive. So yes, it goes into your your passion for therapies, but it's you're being a business owner again. Yeah. So you keep and saying I chose this one for sure. You, and you keep kind of saying, "Oh, you know, I don't like that entrepreneurial aspect. I just love what I do." But but you're running two businesses essentially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that scary? For you or are you embrace are you starting to i think women often do not like to step into the entrepreneurship role they are like well i just do this or i just, this is just a side hustle or you know i'm just you know i'm I, but but it's okay to say yeah i'm an, I, I, for a person who says they didn't want to be a business owner i've yeah. now officially helped with starting a second i get it yeah uh, i just love being an ot but to me that means you have to step into different roles so as an occupational therapist, all our 
biggest goal is really is truly to help people do what they love. It It's a literal activity of daily living. So to me, I look at it like this, as an OT and someone comes to me who has great relationships in the community and that really has passion behind this, they're like, how do I, how can you help me or do you have any ideas? I would totally stand behind it. So do I love the idea of being a business owner? No and yes, I guess. I don't know. If it, if it's for the right cause, yes, I will definitely put my efforts behind yeah, it. Yeah, I think that there's two. I really, I, I strongly believe there's two types of business owners. There is people who are passionate about a specific thing, and there's people who are just serial entrepreneurs. They just want to start something. They love the, the pursuit of starting, and then they're on to the, you know, start it, grow it, sell it, on to the next That's thing. That's not me. That's a no for me. Like, I literally thought I was taking a huge, massive leap with little hands, little feet. I was essentially fresh out of grad school within like a year, year and a half kind of thing. And I just knew it was meant to be. I hate to say it, but like your mentor comes to you and is like, hey, I'm considering selling the business. Yeah. We are moving out of state. I want to have a conversation with you. At first I was like, and then she was like, I really do. Britt and I both want to have this conversation. So I was like, okay, let's talk about it. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I knew it. I loved Little Hangsville Feet. There were so many patients that I couldn't imagine not being their therapist. So, so where do you see Little Hands, Little Feet going in the next five to ten years? What What's your plans for things? I hope my brother listens to this because he's going to be so proud. <laughs> uh, he's reamed me multiple times about the fact that I don't really do business plans. Yeah. Um, Which, that's okay. I think you that's can... That's not a me. Yeah. It's not a me in life. There, there, you can be a business owner. There are all different aspects of being a business owner. I personally really want us to stay in a standpoint of quality therapy. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of places that drive numbers and quantity. And for me, the quality is the most important aspect. So for me, continuing with where we're at... But also if we find the right fit therapist-wise to add to our team. So we just added another PT like a, I guess a month and a half ago. And she's sitting her, for her boards. She's trying to work towards that. Was I intending to bring on more people necessarily? No. But she was the right fit. She sees my vision. She cares about the patients. And to me that's important. Mm -hmm. So five to ten years from now, I mean, I hope we're just continuing to provide that. And if that Do you see growing, yourself stepping back into more of just the business role and the leader role? Or, or I just want to be an OT. You still want to, yeah. I know. It's yeah. bad to say, but like, I, no, I, I think that, that that is something that people have a passion for, and then they get themselves into the, they're just running the business, and they don't have the time to do what they started it for in the first place. So my mom and I sat down, actually, and had a very lengthy conversation before I even purchased the business. She was like, what's your goal? And I was like, I want to be an OT. I love it. I love it. I love it. I could talk about it for I days. I think she wants to be an OT. Yeah. I think. <laughs> uh, but, that's, but we made, a, like, she was like, make a deal with yourself that if you need to push back and pull forward, then you have to do that. As a business owner, I don't always get to say, I only want to treat. I don't want to deal with the other aspects. Mm -hmm. So instead of doing that, she was like, what is your goal? I was like, to be an OT. So do I think that I'll have... I, I've already had to step back before. I've already had to cut down my treatment hours and stuff to really take care of those aspects. But in the long term, I would like to push forward and be more of a... How do you? What advice do you have for people who, women especially, who are in that role and they're starting to see, I'm losing touch with 
my passions. And, and you know, I started this business because I really liked making, you know, being a chef and I really liked making new recipes. And now I'm just running a bread company. How do you, how do you, what advice would you give to people? Sometimes you have to take the leap of faith and like bring someone else on. So, and I think that's hard. I can be a little of a bit of a control freak when it comes to the clinic. No one else will they'll be like, uh-huh, yeah. Uh, but really, like, I think it takes pushing that and believing in your team that you already have. So we had grown yeah. so much, I was starting to bring up a number two, and I had to, at a certain point, say, okay, I'm not going to control all that anymore. I trust you. I know that you can do it. And so it's believing in your team. Building the right people around you can make all the difference. I want to say, too, I think it's a little bit of believing in yourself. You've hired this person mm -hmm. to be your number two. You've trained them to get into the role that they've gotten into. Um, and so I think sometimes that's hard to like say, well, I'm just relinquishing control to somebody else, but it's like, you've kind of put your stamp of approval on them in the first place. It's so valid though, it's so valid, but it took someone almost saying, you've taught her all of these things. Yeah. Why are you not giving her your, almost like my blessing and yeah. saying, okay, when I'm not here, you think you can take care of it, take care of it. Now that I'm trying to like put a little psychology twist on but this, but valid. I think it is, it's a little bit of self doubt that we, that we have, especially as women mm -hmm. that it's like, oh, well, what if I, I didn't do a good enough job tra training her and this all kind of goes badly. And sometimes things are just going to happen. Like yeah. I will never forget the first time I was out of town for like a week and a half and someone had done something and it wasn't how I typically would do it. And they were like, oh no. And I came back and I was like, it's fine. Yeah. She handled it. Nothing interrupted business processes. The patient and the family were all taken care of. It's fine. Yeah. But that was one of those moments where I had, to, I had to have taken a step back and like ready to prepare for it, process it, and move forward through it. Yeah. So I really do think putting the right people in place is a big deal to me. Well, and I think that that can help you kind of putting people in the places like you have your mom on the team. And so your mom can kind of take care of the aspects that aren't necessarily the easiest for you so that you still have some free time. I mean, can you imagine how much more time it would take if you had to do your own books? Like that would, <laughs> she has a look of panic on her face. Um, yeah. So I think knowing, you know, how to, how to get help and making sure you just make that a priority. I mean, I'm sure you could have easily fallen into all administrative, all mm -hmm. growing your team and not making sure that you're still taking patients and you're still working with, with people. You know, I think that you just need to make sure that you set yourself up for that. And I think we've like, even like as a clinic, as a whole, we've done a really good job with that. We even kind of have talked about what that looks like sometimes but obviously my mom's an accountant it's great it's a great yeah i'm like love you mom it's a match. Uh, but yes but that's what really she talked to me about she was like you're so passionate about this if buying a clinic is not going to allow you to increase that passion why are you doing it and i was yeah. like i think it's why i want to do it yeah i want to be able to see the patient who doesn't have insurance i want to be able to say okay your cap is this that's okay, I'm gonna put my time into it. I'm still gonna meet the goals that I have set for myself from a productivity standpoint, but I can see this patient too. If I was working at a really large facility, I can't do that. Right, yeah. I have to ask someone. Yeah. I don't have to ask me. I feel like you might have some control things going on a little bit. Just, well, it's it really, <laughs> I, I also feel like I've seen like a lot of really large global healthcare stuff. Yeah. I've worked for larger facilities. I have family members who have, and very close friends who talked about how hard it is to let a patient go because whether it's federally funded or commercial insurance, they don't cover it. Yeah. And if you 
And that's heartbreaking, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you've become attached to, oh, yeah. to people that you're working with. And I have, like, my therapists all the time are like, they're cut at this. What do we do? So, specifically, if, if someone thought that their children, child might need services, what... Um, a, what, what would they be looking for with their children? Or what? how would they go about kind of figuring out if they hunches that they have might be right? I would always say talk to your pediatrician okay. all the time. Sometimes people are like, well, I've said it to my pediatrician and uh, they're not hearing me. They know a lot of things and they research a lot of global things that we don't always listen to. But also trust your gut. If you feel like your kid should be doing something and they're not, they haven't met a milestone, they're really struggling in an area, use your resources, whether it is going online and looking at places and facilities, or it's talking to their teacher or their preschool, or seeking out someone else. There are a billion different avenues nowadays. So really knowing what those milestones are is a yeah. big one. Yeah. And then on top of that, really, I think just use, utilizing your resources and trusting your gut. I've always said, I'm like a parent gut is like a real thing. Yeah. Mom, like, they know those things, the dad, they just like know. Yeah. And I always stand behind that stuff. Like they know when their child is not. Yeah, when things things might seem off. Mm -hmm. um, how can people find you if they want to find you? How do people get in touch with you? <laughs> um, I own Little Hands, Little Feet, obviously. Yeah. But you can look up our website. You can also find us on Facebook. And then you can get in touch with our administrative via our phone number. So, little hands, little feet, Mary Kate Gillespie. Thank you so much for being on Powered by Her today. I really appreciate you coming in. Thanks for having me. Confetti, coffee, and community. Need I say more? I am so excited to be celebrating my dear friend and Powered by Her previous guest, Amber Zardcourt, and launching her second Fill Your Cup conference. A one-day conference for passionate, career-driven women to pause, pour into yourself, and begin overflowing in every aspect of your life. This year hosted at the Monarch in Baxter, Tennessee on September 20th, 2021. It's going to be such a life-giving event. Use our promo code PBH10 to grab your ticket today.